0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Howdy. Happy Halloween. It's the Seamoss Girlies
2: merry or boo what's like something i could say i'm like well happy halloween merry merry halloween
1: (laughs) merry halloween for
2: those who celebrate happy national oatmeal day there's a day for everything rent is due tomorrow (laughs) merry (laughs) halloween how's your halloween been emma um
1: hello weekend my halloween okay let's be real here i don't like halloween i think it's a tacky and overwhelming holiday that the last time you've dressed up um like I don't know sometime maybe and I don't even know if I dressed up at all in high school
2: yeah what was your like most memorable costume as a child
1: so my grandma actually um she would always sew all of my Halloween costumes so I'd always go to the fabric store to pick out the fabrics and like all the patterns and so one year I was like Belle that was from my favorite that was like a really good costume that my grandma sewed by hand um because she is a legend like that so probably that
2: nice that's a cute one. Yeah, I am a history of bad Christmas gifts and bad costumes. So my mom would do the same thing in designer stuff because she's like, I'm not buying you a kit. So she one time made us Care Bear costumes and like sewed the thing really well. Me. But as I got older, I got a little bit more adventurous. My best costume with cutest costume was Dorothy. I did that multiple times. I was that last night. Mm-hmm. But- you know, as I got a little bit older, my sister and I tried to do weird stuff. So one of my neighbor friends was always go trick-or-treating with us. And so we all decided to be Mario characters. Like my sister and the friend were Mario and Luigi. My brother was Toad. I was Yoshi. Um, green suit. And I just like stuff pillows and I just look terrible. I have like purple (laughs) glasses when I'm in seventh grade. And I'm like, this needs to get off the internet. And it continued. Um, One year I decided my sister was going to be a Razzles candy box. It's like this weird vintage candy. I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be a popcorn box. My mom would make us like tell her what we wanted to be like a month in advance of Halloween so she could do it. So she saved like a refrigerator box because we got a new refrigerator or some large appliance, a desk maybe. Put it vertically, cut out a head for me to stand in the box, like stand straight up. She took that insulation that looks like popcorn and sprayed it on top, you know, the, the red and white stripes classically down the sides. I was stoked. Halloween, I'm going to be a popcorn box at every house. I would go down and pop my head out. My sister and I would go, my brother is disability. So he would never trick or treat it with us, but we all like took photos. I don't remember what he was that year. However, we go down trick or treat. I pop out of the box, you know, walk to the next house with my stupid fucking box. I'm like 12 at this time. I get to the third house. I look at my sister and I go, I cannot do this the whole night. And she's like, yeah, bitch, you are like, what, what do you mean? So that was the worst costume because I was sweating the whole night from carrying that fucking box that weighed more than I did. Um, So yeah. How was,
1: how has Halloween 2021 been for you though? You know, I had no intention of going out last
2: night. Um, My man, I don't know what to say. My crush and I. My person. <laughs> my person, my partner. Every straight person. Says my I LP. My life partner. If you listen to How Long Gone, we've listened to them as well, so we had an activation. (laughs) I'm kidding. So yeah, we were hanging out and then he was like, okay, we're going to a party. And I was like, babes, I don't have a fucking costume. So we go to this first party and I was in my Sandy Lane fleece and literally not in a costume. And then I actually coined myself as being like a minority because there were very few women. So that was like my one costume. Like that could be my fucking thing. But then we went home and he was Napoleon Dynamite and then we city biked to mine and I became Dorothy. Um, So I was out until 4am unintentionally um saw some girlies that I played college volleyball with at the function which was weird um because I hadn't seen them in a while and yeah that's been my Halloween um don't know but also I didn't tell you this I'm like we were discuss- we pot we discussed before we click record Bessie's I uh realized that my when I took off my dress drunkenly last night I ripped it the entire seam is ripped down the back that's so fun. cannot repeat that um what about you bestie you've had some fun Halloween moments not Halloween um
1: yeah I had a fun Halloween day did not go out um as you should um, a dude that I have been seeing
2: I'm I'm a man fan my
1: my man my my king um he has a car at the moment and so we drove up to Brighton Beach they have a thriving Russian community and we went to a place called Vintage, it was like called like vintage specialty Russian foods. And so we went there, we got Turkish royals and whatnot. Then we went to this random, like Russian diner that like definitely did not want us in there. Got some like food to go, and then we went on the beach. It was so windy and cold. And we drank some soup together out of the can. Um, we ate some bread with eggplant caviar. And then like meat blinces or whatever the fuck they're called. What was and then the we walked story? down. And then we walked down to Coney Island. It was really cold. We were both freezing. And then we hopped in his little Lexus and drove back. But I must say, the Brighton Beach, fun place. They like literally troll you and how they like name all of their businesses. Like I was like literally dying at like all the signs that I was reading. Yeah. your It um,
2: was popping off yesterday.
1: Yeah. It was like truly psychotic. I loved every second of it. And then, um, ate some like cursed stuff for dinner. And I think I went to bed at like 10. Um, yeah, I'm very much known for not going out. What ever. was your
2: favorite Russian food that you had and worst food?
1: Um, honestly, like the borscht soup, the beet soup was good. It had like the most flavor. The little meat blintzes were like very oily mm. and they kind of lacked flavor but the eggplant caviar low-key slapped didn't really know what i was getting myself into with wow, that oh the
2: eggplant truther you, you never know
1: what you never know what those nightshades will do to you but um you know it it slapped it slapped
2: i had some cursed food moments yesterday um i mean we went through three jars of trader Joe's salsa just for no good reason um so that started that was our Kate
1: is in her salsa era
2: yeah unfortunately this guy and i just eat a lot of salsa you it used,
1: like, used to be like very anti-salsa, I feel like. Yeah. I, I also feel like back in like you know HCLF days, I would eat like romaine lettuce with like salsa. Yeah. As I was, like as like literally like a salad dressing. And like Emma, that is like not like a normal human behavior. <laughs> yeah.
2: So it is it is a trauma food for me. So it's like I just like, oh, I don't want that. However, um, you know, we were at Trader Joe's foraging as a good woman does, and I saw an old fave, uh, cashew fiesta chip or dip because this boy and I, we went to a thing one time and that we got like vegan nachos and he was like, oh, cashew cheese is really good. And I was like, eh. we're at Trader Joe's so I didn't have like fucking options of like actually going to get good cashew cheese. And I was like, let's get this dip. And he was like, okay, we open it. He doesn't have a microwave. I was like, no. oh, fuck. <laughs> um, I was like, do not eat this cold. Put it in the oven and like put it in the oven in a bowl. And then we dipped it in, ch- in chips. And he was like, it's fine. It's just like sweet and then we wanted to get rid of it so we had like rice bowls with like kabocha squash and everything and he like the rice was dry i guess so he put the fucking cashew cheese on top of like sushi rice with like avocado like emily marico from tiktok style i didn't really taste it at that point because there were so many other flavors but i was like wow i'm really having um fiesta dip on top of rice what the fuck <laughs>
1: classic
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, but i need to get back in my bullshit Emma and i were saying uh for being wellness guides, we're kind of off our routine but let us live if you listen to that podcast and you're like wow i'm gonna russian food and kate had some demented shit let us let us have a moment
1: okay let us have a moment but i do want to get back into some of my wellness rituals i was reflecting i was like damn i remember when i had like a little wellness ritual for every hour and I don't know what has happened, but it's okay. I feel like fall is a good time to transition back into those to like, you know, make you feel good, um, feel balanced at peace.
2: Yeah. So if you're a wellness guy you feel fallen like falling
1: off. Also, yeah. um, merch, um, merch it's is it's out. It's I know a lot, I know, I know a lot of you all have bought your merch, but I know a lot of you haven't bought your merch. So please go support the Sea Girly empire. Um, <laughs> every dollar that is spent goes directly into us continuing to build the empire yeah it's a very costly business if you did not know um so yeah the we'll probably have the link in the show notes it's on fucking the meme page it's CMOS girlies universe something 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 you can type it in and find yourself if you would like
2: Yep. Um, also, yeah, merch will be linked in the podcast description, as well as our live event. We'll have links and everything, but that'll be on November 13th at the Alchemist Kitchen in New York. It's a health and wellness cafe slash shop. Um, very limited capacity. I think they said only like 18 to 24 guests just because they don't have that much space. But we will record the podcast, whatever I'm going talk about, with our big mics, and then it'll be in the feed like you're listening to now so if you do not live in new york and you can't make it to the event you will still be able to hear what the heck we talk about but we're really excited because it's i guess the other brand sponsor is ruby's hibiscus water um they're available whole foods new york etc but yeah um we are excited for this and how it'll translate to like future growth of podcast meme page us etc
1: yeah well, that brings us to today's show. It doesn't, but it, <laughs> it does but we're talking about keto bros, y'all.
2: Yeah, we're talking about a lot of the bullshit between like fitness and health and wellness advice that's spewed from like straight white men and how it like really disorders a lot of health issues for any other group. So let's get into it, shall we? Yeah,
1: we shall.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate. Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: You know us curlies are serious about our omega-3 fatty acids and
1: sustainability, right? Introducing today's new sponsor, GoodFish. Goodfish is an upcycled salmon skin snack sustainably sourced from Bristol Bay, Alaska. What's
2: an upcycled snack, you may ask? It's a great way to reduce food waste to help tackle climate change. Goodfish upcycles from sustainably caught wild Alaskan sockeye salmon from Bristol Bay, Alaska.
1: The health benefits of Goodfish are major, like each fag includes 10 grams of full BCAA fish protein, 800 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids, and 2,600 milligrams of marine collagen. Goodfish even has seven different flavors.
2: Our favorite is the miso teriyaki for the hottest macrobiotic bowl ever. You can use code CMOS15 for 15% off goodfish.com. As an intro into this pod, Emma and I kind of thought about this episode perhaps because I think when you are also a podcast consumer, I noticed that my podcast consum- consumption consumption was very much straight white old men. I, whether that was the pandemic and thinking about diversifying your media sources or just generally realizing that like wow, when you go in the health and I was also looking at like top rated podcasts in the apple health and wellness space and a lot of them are these like white male doctors they have some sort of degree or license whatever and really thinking like wow, this one fits- all model towards fitness and health and wellness is is not even valid like there's so many fallacies that are just promoted as they're like a, a true fact and we really don't investigate like, Really basic things that I think are promoted, whether that's keto, whether that's intermittent fasting, what we're going to get into this podcast. But there's no, there's not enough like critical thinking about like, wait, if I'm someone who's had an eating disorder and I'm a young girl, should I intermittent fast? Like, no, you should not. So wanted to think about the nuances of like thinking about all this advice that you probably get spewed because I think Emma and I get spewed it as well. Yeah. So to start off there's some stats, I think on like a gender spectrum. So we're going to be talking like the gender binary, in this podcast between men and women. So like thinking about like, yes, that is like speaking in a binary. We do acknowledge that like gender is a spectrum, gender is whatever, you know what I mean? So men have a 60% higher mortality rate than women. They're typically people that die younger and they're burdened with more disease than women. And you might think like, oh, I thought men were tough and men live longer and all of that many male like health risks or why they're at a higher risk to death or more susceptible to chronic disease is because of behavior trends. So men typically like engage in behaviors that lead to higher rates of injury and disease. They tend to eat less healthful diets and women spend about 15% of their lives in unhealthy conditions, but 12% of men are actually in like unhealthy conditions. So like women typically are unhealthy throughout the longevity of their life. Whereas men like are kind of hit with a disease more than women are. And like another thing that was very interesting that gets into this is like women have higher rates of depression diagnosed than men, but men have higher suicide rates. And so what that means is that women are going to the doctor more. They're accepting a clinical diagnosis. They're going and getting treatment on the mental health side of things, but men are like just killing themselves. Like that is kind of showing that they are not You know, there are social barriers that it's feminine to get help still that are like leading a lot of men from getting preventative care or mental health help, you know, or just like, oh, I'm fine, I don't need to go to a therapist and I think that makes sense. And the gender bias is actually more apparent in acute in developing countries because there's going to be a stronger cultural preference for sons. That's not so much in the United States, at least anymore. But women are very disadvantaged in like a lot of countries with which will lead to health problems if they have less nutritious food, less access to care dismissed by medical professionals is a huge issue that still like hits, I would say, racial lines and class lines, especially um, more for those women as well but men typically think like back to their habits and kind of what's leading them to health risks is that they think they're stronger. Like this ego macho energy vibe, they think they're tougher and stronger, but they find that men, when you survey them about like, do you have healthy habits? It depends on what they think a healthy habit is. Like if it's something like, yeah, I go to the gym every day. Like they would rate themselves as having a lot of healthy habits versus if it's like, I eat a healthy diet or I care of my mental health they would score lower so it proves that there are still some like quote healthy behaviors and habits and lifestyle trends that are gendered and like women perform better on some and men perform better on others um so that's just kind of like the intro into the show like thinking about you know it's we're not saying like men get a green light for not going to mental health but there's still all stigmas that do affect men differently
1: Yeah. And then I think also just talking about like body expectations versus like men and women, because I think this also then translates into like the type of like health and wellness products that are targeted and geared towards men as opposed to women, because, you know, men can experience eating disorders and that often gets lost in conversation just because it is so dominant in like, you know, when it comes to women and eating disorders. And I think it's always associated that like women are the ones who experience these. And obviously, you know, more women are seeking out treatment for eating disorders as opposed to men. But 20 to 40% of men are dissatisfied with their bodies, whether that be like muscle size and tone or weight. And within that, gay men are going to be at greater risk at experiencing body image issues as opposed to straight males. And they're going to be more vulnerable to social pressures. And so whereas women are expected to be like, you know, super thin with as little fat as possible, men are kind of expected to be like, stronger bigger faster and just carry like lots of muscle and be like really like lean and tone and like how that translates to like supplements i feel like it's more like performance enhancing supplements whether that's like you know protein powders creatine etc whereas like for women it's like deep bloat um like you know acne pills and like hair like all the stuff to like you know really enhance your beauty as much as possible and be as like young looking as possible whereas for men it's like just be like to see basically how strong and, like, muscular you can be. So that's kind of, like, yeah, like, the differences, I think, that between, like, men and women and that, like, obviously, again, across the gender spectrum, like, everyone is going to deal with, like, body image issues at different ways and that, like, you know, society and how everything's depicted on social media translate to different things for, you know, different genders. But that kind of gets into, like, you know, these, like, major, like, health wellness influencers, if you want to call them influencers, kind of, like, in the the health and wellness space and specifically like that have kind of like made keto very mainstream. And I'm sure you're really like familiar with a lot of these people and what's interesting too, And I think, again, this like ties into like some of the issues with, you know, like the wellness industry is that it is just like a lot of like influencers and people who like obviously do not have any sort of like special training. And it's like, should they be able to, you know, share and like spread all this information? I think like, yes, you can, as long as it's like actually science to back it up. But the first one is Dave Asprey. I'm sure y'all have all heard of him. You know, I'm sure you guys have listened to an episode or two of like Bulletproof Radio, but he is like considered the father of biohacking. He really is like the one who made biohacking like super like popular. And he's also the creator of the Bulletproof Diet and the innovator of Bulletproof Coffee, which is, you know, drinking butter with, with your coffee. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, the trailblazer for like biohacking your body. Um, And Asprey, you know, again, he basically is like most known for like losing a bunch of weight and like experimenting with a lot of different things to basically like maintain this like quote unquote healthy lifestyle. And when it comes to like fasting, he does recognize that and like keto, he does recognize the differences between like men and women. And he has spoken out about like how like women shouldn't follow like the traditional like, you know, keto and like intermittent fasting path that like most men are able to tolerate, which we'll get into later in the episode because of like different like hormonal Um, you know aspects when it comes to men and women but he generally recommends that like women start with a less aggressive fasting schedules of 12 or 14 hours instead of 16 whereas like men can like literally fast for like an entire day and like do like the one meal a day diet and like be fine but Asprey has like come under fire for like having no nutritional training or like medical degree and also just like whether like bulletproof and some stuff that he has created, if it like really how effective they truly are and how valid the products are. Um, but he really is like the trailblazer. And like I think like he has made a huge name for himself. And, and I've I listened
2: to a few of his recent podcasts and he's kind of gone off the ether. Yeah. And I think it intersects with like the politics of a lot of people in the health and wellness space where they're so in a silo individualistic bubble where they're like, detoxify your body and I, we were kind of talking mm-hmm. about this in geneva got into a conversation with some people's comments on the podcast that it's like detoxify your body intermittent fast but like okay so you there is so far with like this hippie narrative and then they get into this extremely problematic like vaccines are cancer they're gonna kill you like it's this weird like i don't even know on the spectrum where that would be politically but mm-hmm it's just so it's like libertarian I guess I don't know Um, as someone who's like a a student of politics but it's like a really weird pseudo cult that he has gone off the ether and just like said all this weird like stuff kind of individual blame COVID vaccination and stuff and it's just like I've just come to a place where like I can't really respect that you know.
1: Yeah. And then a few others, I'm just going to kind of like go through these pretty quickly, but Mark Sisson, um, he's the founder of Primal Kitchen Foods. He also has a blog and another podcast that I have listened to. Maybe some of you guys have as well, but he was a former endurance athlete turned like nutrition author and entrepreneur. And he has like his most recent book, again, like the keto reset book, again, just highlighting that like a lot of these, like, you know, how keto has become more mainstream is largely due to like males that are in whatever, the bodybuilding space, etc. Next is Tim Ferriss. He is, he went to Princeton and he's like based in Silicon Valley. He's a podcaster and an author as well. And ha- he has written a lot about keto, but he did record one podcast episode. I don't know. I don't remember when it was, but it was with Dom Dagnisto. It basically was titled on like fasting ketosis and the end of cancer. And this episode was listened to like and downloaded by more than like a million people. So this really was like kind of the catalyst of like helping to push the keto diet into the mainstream, and lastly, Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> I y'all know who Joe Rogan is, but again, he like truly is like one of like the most listened to podcasters. Very heavy male audience listenership, but he also further increased popularity of the keto diet by also featuring, um, just like other med- doctors in the field who have studied a lot on like keto and ketosis, and the episode that he did with um the same Dom Dagonisto guy um was aired in 2017, has over like a million views on YouTube and was also a stimulus and kind of like the upsurge and like the acceptance of the keto diet. And so again, I think it's like a lot of these guys, they are not like registered practitioners, etc. And they do kind of get into like the fuzzy, tricky waters where it's almost like, is any of this actually factual or are you just kind of like also trying to sell a fad diet? And I think it can be really easy to get caught up as a woman. You know, there are very few I feel like podcasts in the health and wellness space that do also talk about these like complex issues. Cause there's some that I listen to and it's just like, how to like manifest yeah like drink lemon water. And it's like, okay, well this is like stupid. I want to like, listen to like, actually like intellectual conversations, but then like all the intellectual, intellectual conversations are just like held by a bunch of white dudes talking about keto and like fasting for 24 hours and like only eating like veal.
2: Yeah. And I think it's weird too. Like we were saying with Joe Rogan, obviously his audience is like, libertarian conservative men that do listen and abide by it but then you do have um the same people that are like maybe left of spectrum politically that also kind of abide by the same bullshit like there's one article that was written a few years ago that like got me interested in like the kind of bullshit with health and wellness i think it's in courts or something it's it's about the concept that alex jones if you know him he's like the radio host guy he, I didn't know that he, the way that he makes money is not obviously have sponsors because he's just, is so fucking crazy far right wing and like problematic that no one sponsors him, but he sells supplements. So he sells like male testosterone pills and like, you know, they're all heavy marketing, like sexy pills or like male boost pills. Gwyneth Paltrow sells, as you guys know, like products that are more for like female enhancement. And someone looked at the compounds that are in their two products and was like, Alex Jones and Goop are selling the exact same shit. Like how interesting is this that people that are Crazy far right wing, and then also like this hippie Erewhon mom are buying the same supplements. And so I think it's really weird with this, probably just says more about media that people are so easy to accept anything as like a cure. Like people want either quick fixes or just to have some sort of community and like cults, like, you know, I listen to Joe Rogan and I relate to everyone else. We're all in our Discord. Like, just like you're in Geneva talking about your oatmeal, like, there is this longing with like the decline of religion for something to fill that void. And I think that these pseudo diets can kind of be a place for that. Um, And the next kind of point we want to talk about is how this affects women when it comes to going to the doctor. So like the medical field, so not health and wellness advice, but like doctor stuff. So there's a book that I've mentioned before in Geneva. There's a great author, her name is Barbara Enrich. She's like a social social psychologist and two books that she's written that kind of tie into this concept of wellness. She writes a lot about like wellness from a political angle. Um, the first book is called Natural Causes, and it's all about the idea that we are trying to prevent ourselves from dying, which is a natural cause. Like every sort of preventative step you're taking is just to prolong the time you die. That's a very like blunt way of saying it, but that's kind of the premise of the book. And then the other book by her that kind of relates to this is called For Her Own Good. It's something like decades of advice from the male medical field. And so she does a history of throughout history, like when women went to the doctor, like what were they told, like dismissed. like if they had period cramps, it goes all the way back to like the witch, witches and hysteria and how women were dismissed from that. Or like you get cast as being like some spooky spiritual, like freak, you know, and tying it now about like pregnancy screenings and like breast cancer and all of that. But she personally was like, she said, she's given up on so many medical measures to prevent breast cancer, like cancer screenings, annual exam, pap smears, And so many people don't go because of the cost, like people don't know if you're going to get billed a crazy amount. And also like your doctor is going to look at you and like, think you are crazy, especially when you have those subjective reports. Like when you go to the doctor and they like hit your knee with like a hammer, for example, and say like, was that a painful on a scale of one to 10? If whenever a woman has to tell her symptoms in a subjective way, they're often not taken seriously because you're just like relating to a doctor. And like, it's more of disproportionate on racial lines too and class lines like who's taken seriously by a doctor by having a real legitimate health concern and like we were saying before with like oh there's no podcasts by women that are actually medical practitioners there's no female doctors like that is when it does become a systemic issue because there's not like in most in most actually um, academic fields women are going to college a lot more than men so when you think about the job force women should be leading fucking everything but it just proves that there's hiring barriers there's bias all of that stuff that prevents women from getting into these established fields and that kind of gets into the next thing of like how social class plays into this where it's like everything is a health related individual issue versus a systemic problem when it comes to like health and wellness like you'll see people that are like quote educated middle class college educated they go and like they double down on their health related efforts once they get into the middle age to sort of prevent this dying. like people do yoga people fill up your calendars with medical tests and exams like the ability to be able to plan for your medical future is a huge privilege and that's something we often just like don't talk about social class in the united states and so people like get these biomarkers and biohacking things and it's like becomes a label if you're a good or bad person if you had a high cholesterol level or a low cholesterol level. Like the fat phobia in the United States as well. Like we really demonize people if like how physically how you look, first of all, but then also like thinking about how that plays into like medical scores and then like social status as well. Um, All these invisible health markers. So it's kind of forcing the individual to like keep making good choices versus having a doctor look for problems. Um, and so back to this, I would say, like health and wellness space. A few of you guys have talked about this in Geneva before, and I think we've already talked about this in a podcast, but the pink tax, if you're not familiar. So men and women's like quote, branded products, whether that's a pre-workout, a multivitamin, protein powders, there's often a larger um it costs a lot more for the female products for like less servings, a lot of fillers, a lot of like the health claims. Like this is a beauty powder versus a, a performance powder. Um, and so it's interesting because there are some gender like specific requirements for individual micronutrients, like women that are pregnant or reproductive age should ensure that they have adequate levels of things like folic acid, iron, calcium, iodine. So it does make sense that there are like targeted multivitamins, but then when it does come to something that is like a protein powder, like why is it specific for a man versus a woman?
1: Yeah. And then kind of then getting back into like the keto space again, because this, I feel like if anyone is, you know everyone who does listen is probably interested and in, invested in the health and wellness industry there's just always so much talk about ketosis and like keto and like that diet and again like as a, like a woman i think it can be like really easy to be like oh i should like be doing this because like that's all that you hear about
2: yeah or um but try kind it of getting, or something
1: yeah and so kind of getting into like how it even became like popular I th- i'm sure like a lot of people kind of know like the general history that like it was originally utilized to help people with, like epilepsy, et cetera. But it's really has kind of transformed, manifested itself into like different ways and is like a very just like kind of like considered like a normal thing that like everyone should be doing now. But so, really, like why keto became so popular, like by men specifically in the bodybuilding community, and why there are so many keto bros now in the fucking universe, it's really because again, like many of those that were harping on the quote unquote benefits of like going on the keto diet were largely men. Um, and so in 1988 actually there's a thing called Optifast that emerged and kind of into the mainstream world which was like a liquid diet that had like very sufficient vitamins and minerals and it was like a keto liquid diet and they did have one celebrity endorser for this product which is Oprah Winfrey and so she did this diet for like whatever four months and in one of her episodes she discussed how she lost like 67 pounds and so after the episode aired Optifast got like over 200,000 like inquiries and like the research of like Keto, kind of like in the science and like medical space really surged. And so this is kind of like the turning point when it was quickly adopted by bodybuilders as a quick way to like lose fat for competition, like all the bodybuilding competitions to like, you know, show as like lean and like as much muscle as you can have. And then also during this time, a lot of biohackers warmed up to this idea because they could really utilize it as a tool to like hack the body into, you know, improving athletic performance, longevity, your like glucose levels, et cetera. And also now there's like so many different, like, you know, different like technologies and equipment to like measure your, um, blood glucose le- levels. And there's like lumen, there's like literally something called levels, et cetera. Yeah. But then also just kind of, cause like with ketosis also, again, it's like, you're able to draw the connection to like your blood gu- glucose levels and cholesterol, which is tied to da- data, which men became assessed with because it gave them quant- a quantifiable edge and like something that they could like really like you know, I think whenever you're able to associate anything with numbers, it like makes it easier to like understand. And it's kind of like similar to like how a lot of people get like addicted to like counting calories and almost becomes like their religion and their like way of like control and to know that like, oh, I'm doing something good. And like, I have like this sort of control because I'm able to like keep my calories to like this like level, or like, I'm able to like keep my blood glu- glucose level to like a certain level. And so again, also kind of going back on to like why keto is able to like thrive and like the current day and age especially during social media is because it is like a very like photogenic diet in the sense of like you can see like incredibly like quick like results and people do love the before and after photos that I'm sure you always get like fed into on your feed and then that kind of you know gets into now like why keto is more effective for men versus women and like should women really get involved in like the keto diet So the one thing is that like men naturally are going to hold more muscle than women as women hold more fat. And the biggest difference between men and women and like why men can do better on the keto diet, more long-term, as opposed to women is going to be for a various different reasons. But the first is going to be leptin sensitivity. And so leptin leptin is the satiety hormone. And this is really what, again, like I said, segregates men and women when it comes to the keto diet, because like with keto you're really focusing on carb restriction in order to produce ketones which in turn is going to reduce your leptin hormone but the thing is that women have like leptin receptors in both their thyroid and ovaries so they just we naturally as women have more like leptin receptors than men and when you have too low of leptin levels that can cause things such as anxiety insomnia and like just like increased hunger over time and also menstruating women who do live like high stress lives, which is basically all of us at this point are at extreme risk of having their cycle thrown off and also have a suppressed hormone production. If they partake in the keto diet because of leptin sensitivity. And again, this is like a lot of things that I don't think are ever really discussed about in a lot of these like podcast episodes that you listen to, or like when guys, you know, talk about keto and like the benefits in a very flippant way, they don't really talk about the nuances and like how, like you know, there is a difference between like men and women. And like, luckily there are some people who do address it, but I don't think it's like addressed enough. And I think that I've become like a very slippery slope for a lot of, a lot of people.
2: Yeah. And another thing too, cause we're getting like, we're talking about hormones in a very big gender, like binary way once again. Um, but if anyone has estrogen, like hormones that are like artificially added as well, like studies suggest that estrogen is playing a huge role in preventing people from losing weight on the keto diet. Um, And it's really interesting to think about future research, because like, right, with every buzzy health and wellness claim, you're probably not going to know anything on the clinical level for like 20 years. And I'm really interested in how this will affect like trans communities as well with like thinking about hormone replacements and like health and wellness and kind of like biohacking advice for those communities, because it is an area where like there probably has not been enough clinical studies there. Um, There is one person named Sarah Gottfried who does focus a lot on like keto for women. And I know Asprey does, Dave Asprey does mention like keto for women a lot. Um, And so she found that people, female, her female patients were, had a lot more problems on keto with their stress hormones. Like Emma was saying, producing too much cortisol. It led to thyroid issues and menstrual irregularities. Um, So there's a lot of information about like the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal like axis if you've heard that in podcast episodes before so she's a good resource on that the next thing with like fitness is that i was kind of talking about like this constant like routine tracking of like what you're doing becoming obsessive with it in the pandemic strava did a like report of like what was happening with their app downloads and all of that and they said between april and september 2020 women aged 18 to 29 track their fitness 45% 45% more than they did in the last year and men only like tracked it as like 27%. So it's like interesting that, and I think what plays into this is that a lot of people were working out at home, the, the, you know, the cultural barrier of women going to the gym where it's like this gym bro culture, it's intimidating. It's like kind of just like annoying that there's all these dudes that can probably staring at you if you're wearing leggings or like, Oh, you can't use the squat rack. Like those barriers still exist from preventing women from like being taken seriously with fitness And another barrier with like gender equality with fitness is like an economic barrier. So there's costs with like purchasing equipment, gym membership fees. And the reason that women's like fitness probably went up is because people are doing shit at home. I mean, a lot of people probably paid for, you know, online classes and yoga videos, whatever, but not in the same way that gym memberships are like a huge barrier. And then the other thing is like a time barrier. Like women are typically the caregivers and their domestic workloads and roles are not actually factored into one, they're they're not getting paid for that. And then two, that's taking away their time to participate in physical activity. So it's just showing that like the way that women are expected to be in the home and raise their kids. Like that's another reason why women cannot advance in fitness. Like without title nine, like my mom was a huge beneficiary of that as well. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of this, a few resources that we have that I would say like to kind of close this out about like who could you turn to for good advice? Alyssa Vitti is one that talks a lot about tracking your hormones. We've done a whole episode on that. So go back down and listen to it. Working out with your cycle is a new thing that is being promoted. Like I was on the Nike training app actually the other day and they have a whole program dedicated to like 31 workouts and following your luteal phase and everything and like attending to your actual hormones. So that's cool that it's actually being fucking considered now. Um, another woman, her name's Stephanie Estima. She has a podcast called the better body. And she like calls her listeners like Betty's. She actually did a recent podcast kind of negging these keto bros about like how they don't really care about women's hormones and like fasting is so gendered and like very just like binary minded. So she has a really good podcast. I think like Emma and I both listen to it, um, now and then, and I think just being open when you are like a woman in the health and wellness space to really critically think about where your information is coming from, who it has, it hasn't been tested on anyone. Clinical t- t- studies have probably only been tested on men anyways, but like, what is this person almost trying to get out of you, right? By like promoting you to intermittent fast when you are a 21 year old girl, right? Like it's not, are they trying to sell you a product? Like it, what, what is the point of like getting women back to these restrictive mindsets, right? And feeling like your body's not enough, stress about calories, all this type of stuff. So, yeah, it sucks. I mean, Emma and I, I think, still struggle with this every single day. Um, uh, it, it,
1: think- it is hard, again, when there is, like, you know, some of the podcasters are largely men, but then the podcasters that are women, there's, like, very few of them, and then it's, like, you just turn to social media, and it's, like, hey, well, a lot of these people are just, like, full of bullshit, so there's not really, like, any in between. I think also, especially, there's not really, like, any like space that's really specifically targeting and like, you know, talking about these things for like people who are our age. Like I know like yeah. a lot of like the keto bros, like their like main audience is probably like, you know, middle-aged white dudes. And then like, you know, the women who, you know, do have podcasts, et cetera. Again, they're kind of talking more towards like 30 year olds or like women who are now like- In um, yeah. Yeah, menopause and everything. So I think it's like, again, there is a huge gap and it's like hard because I think it's important for like us kind of like for us having you know some sort of knowledge kind of like helping like protect people almost in a sense and like again kind of like weed through the bullshit and you know prevent people from maybe falling down like those slippery slopes because it is like so easy and Um, and you can have good intentions
2: yeah like you can have good intentions to listen to something and want to like learn about intermittent fasting or keto or like whatever's buzzy and happening in health and wellness but I think it's so difficult to like not become I think if you just have had psychologically a restrictive behavior with food or anything like treating the next thing is the next cure-all like I've fallen down that trap where I'm like yeah. I'm not restricting my calories but maybe I will do intermittent fasting or maybe I will do that like your brain kind of turns on to fire the neurons in the same way that is this like discipline punish like mindset again so that's why I think any of these like behaviors are super just like toxic and scary to get into
1: No, totally. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's the keto episode. Yeah. Kind of a little bit of everything, but I think we touch on important topics and again, just make, you know, use your best judgment when you go out sourcing for information on the interweb. Um, luckily you guys have our podcast that you can always count on.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, that, that is it. Um, what are you up to for the rest of the day? I'm gonna go swim. It's a nice, beautiful, sunny day in mm-hmm. gorgeous New York City. I'll probably go on a walk. I did all my grocery shopping earlier today. So I was like, I don't want to do that midday with like all the other people.
2: Yeah, um, yeah I'm
1: gonna kind of keep it easy. How about you?
2: Keeping it easy as well. I'm going to go on a nice run. Um, there's like the parade in the West Village. I forgot about that. Yeah. So trying to not uh, be in the crowd of people in like drunken Halloween gear later. Uh, probably gonna have like a, a CEO bedtime of like 9 p.m today
1: yeah that sounds about right for me um but yeah that's the episode hope you guys enjoyed it don't forget to like comment subscribe and buy your merch yes all right bye bye